Hello and welcome to They Just Get It. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm, and I'm excited. Well, I'm a little extra excited today to speak with my two guests, Connie D'Souza and John Jackson. How are you doing, guys? Great. Thanks for having us. We're fantastic. So so good to talk to you guys because, again, I live in Calgary, and Calgary, I always say, is one of the biggest small towns I've ever lived in, one thing I love about it. So I know who you are, and I know of you, and now I can say that I've actually hung out and chatted with you or about to, so really excited. So for anyone who doesn't happen to know who you guys are, maybe I'll, I won't bother with the intro. I'll let you do it. So maybe let's give a little spiel of who you guys are and uh, what role you play in this amazing city of ours. Well, I mean, the, the, this this could take up your full 40 minutes, I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 tr- I trust you to manage it. <laughs> yeah, Connie and I have worked together a very long time, um, since 1999. And I mean, I, I'm going to say the joke, but when Connie was seven, but uh, I just, I actually just turned 40 though, and I feel very comfortable in my 40 year old skin. So, so you don't have to tell the joke. I don't. Anymore. The, joke is, <laughs> the joke is completely done. That's why I was like, you know what? This is the last time I'm going to tell that joke because it's no longer funny. And Connie is now 40. So she's good. <laughs> I've been 40 for a number of years. Uh, I decided to be a Yeah. I mean, you can't tell because if I wear a baseball hat, I could be, you know, maybe 39. But I'm, but I'm not. I, I would never be so bold to even just f- to, 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 to risk a guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Connie and I have worked together since 1999. And uh, in the restaurants here in Calgary... Um, we explored all around the world. I moved to New York. Uh, Connie went to Germany. We met back up in San Francisco. We worked together uh, off and on through that entire time. It was in San Francisco where we fell in love with that food culture. And uh, we decided we were going to open up our own restaurant. And what better place to do it than back home? Connie was born and raised in Calgary. I'm from originally from Saskatchewan. But we made it our home here um, and that we wanted to come back to a place that we had a friends and family and a great network. So that's where we wanted to open up our business. So we ended up coming back. Yeah, that was uh, back in 2009 when we moved back to the city. Um, and coming from a place like San Francisco, which was a dream destination for chefs with a year-round growing season, um, and access to virtually any ingredient we could imagine. It was a little daunting moving back to, to Calgary with uh, the better part of six months of a growing season um, and wanting to position our restaurant as, uh, as local as possible. Um, we'll always say that we never give up ingredients like uh, our amazing olive oil or French cheeses or citrus. Um, but really trying to support our local farmers and producers as much as we could. It, it was a little scary. So we, uh, we started building the restaurant in um, the height of the 2009 recession. Um, good and- times. <laughs> well, that's, that's right. It's good to run through all the dark times we've had recently. It's easy to forget that 08, 09 was not that long ago either. <laughs> and yeah. it, and it, was, it was a very dark period for, for Calgary, for Alberta. That was a tough time. But believe it or not, um, we, we've built a number of our restaurants through dark times. And uh, we've learned that maybe the, the best things can come out of uh, really uh, dark places. And, and we're kind of living proof that, that they have. Um, so we opened Charcut in 2010. 
Um, and we were very fortunate with um, a lot of accolades that we received through um, throughout that opening and, and with years to, to follow. And then in 2015, we opened uh, Char Bar in the Simmons building. And then um, shortly after that, we opened uh, Chick's Egg Shop. And most recently, um, during the pandemic, we opened our Connie and John's Pizza brand. Um, and we brought back to life our uh, Alley Burger concept as well. Which was a food truck, and now it's based out of the Simmons building, a walk-up window right on a river walk. Nice. So literally, I appreciate the, you know, there's lots of, there's lots of stories out there in case studies of people that have built business during the downturn and during, during, during challenging times, arguably you build a sustainable business when things are booming, you, you kind of get superhero syndrome, like nothing can go wrong when everything's going wrong around you, it creates an interesting business plan. I lots of different reading. So, oh, so many questions about coming back and your, and your journey and looking at your guys, you know, being a professional creeper, the internet tells all and turn, or certainly tells the bits that we want told, hopefully in terms of being around the world. So both of you guys, if you go back, was being a chef, was doing what you're doing now, was it always the path? I talked to so many people that through happenstance arrived where they are, but when I read both your bios, it felt like this was really at a young age. You guys were pretty ingrained into like cooking and like creating those experiences as, as, as part of your growing up. And it feels like you've been on the journey since the get-go. Yeah, I mean, for we have very different uh, food stories and upbringing. Connie's is a uh, very fairy tale and... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's the one that we all want as chefs. As chefs. Mine was, mine was a little bit more, uh, I learned how to cook out of necessity. Uh, single parent, my mom raising three kids, going to university, um, you know, young kids. And we had to figure out ways to contribute. And I love my mom and she can cook a couple things really good, but most I didn't particularly love. <laughs> I hear a lot of stories and, about her. Um, and she, ship, yeah, she shipwreck. makes shipwreck. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what that was, but and, anyways, yeah. So, anyways, never, never to speak ill of our moms ever, especially I, on air. I, ever I love some things, but wanted to learn more about food to yep, be able to, to contribute right to the household. And uh, so, I, I learned learned how to cook out of necessity, just as uh, somebody that could contribute to some of the chores in, in the house. And I fell in love with it. I loved the creative side. I loved making people happy through dishes that I would create and I and experiment. And, you know, that continued on to the point where, you know, I didn't do very well in school. Um, I, had a, I had a problem with authority figures when I was younger. And uh, I got kicked out of a few uh, high schools. And, and um I ended up having to get a job, and I got a job at uh, Hotel Saskatchewan because I was from Regina. And, uh, you know, I found my way into the kitchen. You know, I was 15 and started loving. First of all, I was a front of house. I was a busboy. And then, then I ended Okay, up there's always, there's, there's a couple different paths in the restaurant. Again, working behind a bar yeah. and doing that. I was front of the house, but all my buddies were back of the house. And something you said on one of your, or it was written in one of your bios that I read, which I was interesting of like why you love the kitchen is that social status and kind of like hierarchy in society kind of disappeared when you're in this environment contributing. Oh, they just jumped out for me as an interesting thing to, to, to pull out of that experience of like, hey, we're all equal and we're all contributing to this thing. Yeah, I did like the, I did like the feeling of the kitchen brigade um it gave you a sense of like 
you can learn things and you can progress based on your abilities. And I did enjoy that. But Connie's story was very different. I'll let you tell your story. It's <laughs> so, very good. <laughs> um, I grew up uh, here in Calgary. Um, my parents uh, bought their home, their first home in Erin Woods, um, and they moved uh, from Ontario to Calgary. Um, and then eventually we moved to Riverbend. Um, but both of my parents were amazing cooks. My mom, uh, Irish-Canadian, uh, loved experimenting with food and used to create, believe it or not, three-course meals every single night. I have no idea how she had time to do that, <laughs> being a mom myself now. That's a very cool kind of framework around because everything that comes around being at the table and sharing experiences and everything that goes with a three-course meal every night with the family. Yeah, and then my dad is uh, Portuguese, and he would, he's also an amazing cook, but would cook recipes that were passed down from his heritage, and most of them from my grandmother, um, and wouldn't really experiment with food too much, um, but really has a passion for food, and, and that runs deep through, through my veins. Um, and I remember like being super young and like peeling carrots or spinning lettuce in the kitchen with them, and eventually when I was allowed to use the oven, getting to cook my own meals, and then I would cook and experiment for them. Um, but I truly found my passion when I was in high school. Um, I took, I went to Bishop Grandin in Calgary, and at Grandin they had a foods course, which really focused on menu development and the Canadian Food Guide, and we, I loved it because we got to cook um, in every class. And eventually, right out of high school, I, I knew that I wanted to be a chef. And so I enrolled at uh, SAIT uh, when I was 18. And at the time, it was only a one-year program. Um, so it, right when I graduated, um, I wanted nothing more than to work at Calgary's best fine dining restaurant. Um, and it was actually there where I met John. He hired me at the Owl's Nest. And uh, John. Oh, so you guys literally go way, way, way back. Like, like yeah. just yeah. Right Oh, interesting. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. And so John was the chef of the Owl's Nest at the time. And hired... I was 14. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, doing the, I'm doing the math. I wasn't going to say anything. I'm going have many age jokes. Yeah, <laughs> so um, he hired me and um, really kind of like saw that, that passion and, and dedication and drive that I had for, for cooking and nurtured that into, um, helping me become, um, like a fierce, uh, culinary competitor. John trained me for one of my first culinary competitions and, um, mentored me throughout my entire career until eventually we decided that we wanted to open our own restaurant together um, and we opened uh, Charcut as uh, co-chefs. It was probably the when she was an apprentice, probably the second year apprentice, where she was already doing circles around me, that I knew that she would be a great partner. I was like, yeah. John, I'm curious, from your perspective, like, how do you train a fierce, I love the word fierce, you got me right at that one, a fierce culinary competitor, what are the, what, what, like, what, what's that look like, is it boot camp, is it five in the morning, is she running obstacle courses in the kitchen, like, what, like, For the sure. word fierce in there just, like, sets that one off. Practice, practice, practice is it, it's like, be focused, practice, and, I mean, you're, you're, you're in it to win it, you're, you're going into the competition, you're not gonna, you're, you're not gonna settle on, uh, 
uh, a silver or bronze, you're coming out with a gold. And uh, I think you actually told me, don't come back to the kitchen unless you get gold. <laughs> um, and you know, at that, again, at that point in time, many years ago, <laughs> I may have said something to that effect, but I didn't mean it. But of, of, of sure. course not. Yeah, absolutely. But, but for sure, there, it, it's work. And, and the, the person uh, needs to be ready to work for it. And it's, it's repetition. Like, even to this day, when, um, when we're doing things, like Connie's going to go and uh, be on um, uh, Firemasters. She's on the new season that was just announced. Oh, very cool. It's practice. Because she also competes. So it's not that we just, oh, Connie's going to go in. It's like, okay, so here we go. We have this amount of time allocated to practicing competition, and there's work that goes into it. It's just she is a natural talent for sure, without a doubt. But there need you, you need to put practice in, in it. It's like any any sport or anything you do in life. So it's coming up with a really solid plan and uh, executing it, and that's what we've we've done, and that's what we've done with our businesses. That's what Connie does with their competitions, and. So far, knock on wood, we've been agile enough to figure our way through the last year too. Yes, we 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 will not get out of this episode without bringing up the last twelve months, especially for the for the restaurant business and, and the impact that that's had. So I'm curious, and this is my own. Maybe this sounds like an ignorant question, but obviously culinary competitions have always been a part of your world. It just feels like all of a sudden the media guys gotten a hold of it in the last X amount of years with reality TV. And so as far as the the discipline and the art of having these competitions, that was always there. It's just reality TV showed up and kind of elevated being a chef to this. How did that shift? for you guys like did that change the world in terms of how people looked at what you did and it just it went so mainstream and became so cool to be the kind of crazy aggressive and we'll talk about that too but that it, it's it's glamorized it in a very interesting way and the media has 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 a tendency to do that sometimes accurate or not well we were like i said very fortunate when we opened up uh charcut our first restaurant in calgary um to receive quite a lot of accolades and when I had filmed uh, Top Chef um, probably about six months, uh, or actually, no, it was three months after opening. Yeah, I know. I remember. <laughs> I had to leave John uh, with a I'm, brand new restaurant. I'm myself. <laughs> He's still a little wounded. From I, I have a PTSD. <laughs> hey, he looks a little, there's like a shell shocked. I know this is audio only, but uh, I can see that look in his eyes, a little PTSD. Was, oh my God, let me tell you. It was... <laughs> Yeah, it was well, Dev's dad was so confused. <laughs> but um, it, the inaugural season didn't actually air until close to probably ten months after we filmed it. So we had already been open for a year, and it was really us just continuing to ride that that train of um, uh, kind of popularity and with the recognition that we received um, from. Uh, a lot of different uh, magazines and and whatnot. Um, Top Chef kind of just helps helps like with the momentum of that. 
Okay. Were you guys, and this sounds maybe ignorant to say, but I remember it being a success right out of the gate. Like I remember there was tons of buzz. You guys were busy all the time. That's the memory from it, just being a Calgarian and, and, and being around. So it feels like you guys had success fairly early in that process, but also been able to maintain it. Restaurants, in my experience, can go through these, well, probably you guys know better, pretty brutal cycles of you're cool and then all of a sudden you're not cool anymore. Well, it feels like you guys have been able to pull that along. Staying, re- staying relevant, the business staying relevant was definitely a, a part of that plan. We wanted to not create something with, that was, uh, you know, a three-year flash-in-the-pan concept. We wanted to create a, create something that, that was a legacy, that was a place that you could go to for five years, ten years, twenty years down the road and have these amazing memories and experiences. We, we set out to build something that was lasting. We didn't want something that was temporary. And that's with all of our businesses. Like, you know, when you look at Charbar and this beautiful Simmons building, you know, it's a 110-year-old building and it's it's here forever. This is not something that is going to change in five years and be reconcepted. So Charcut, definitely, I think, part of the formula of um, our fortunate success was that we came up with a good plan and we ended up really engaging people, Calgarians and people in industry really, really, really early on, even in a building stage, like, okay, we're going to be opening in a restaurant through social media, through, we were very early adapters to that because we wanted people to be a part of the experience. You know, Connie was talking about all the, the uh, farms that we were visiting because we wanted to find local ingredients. We set out, we called it 40 farms in 40 days. And we kind of brought, you know, our, our potential future guests on these adventures, right? We had a big potluck in Connie's family's backyard before we even opened up where we went through the yellow pages back when they existed. And we're flipping through calling every single restaurant, asking to talk to the chefs and the restaurant owners and saying, Hey, we're going to have a party Connie and John, I know you have no idea who we are. It's gonna you bring a dish that inspires you, and we're gonna just all share food and break bread on a Sunday. And uh, you know, we had families show up, over seventy chefs and their families and restaurateurs, and we had like a goat petting zoo, one of our goat vendors. Again, it was it was so much more than just opening a restaurant. It was building something that was going to be here for a very, very, very long time. And it was also about our our futures. This is where we were going to be, you know, raising our kids, our growing our families, and growing our business because we didn't set out to only have one restaurant. As our teams grew and as uh, they started to, um, you know, push beyond their the limits that we had in the restaurant – it was time for us to grow even further because our team was the ones that were dictating that. Calgary has come so far in terms of being a culinary destination in Canada. And that really inspired us coming from a city like San Francisco, which is known worldwide for its chefs and its restaurants and its culinary community. We wanted that so badly for Calgary when we moved back. Cause I mean, that we're looking at 10 plus years ago, it's changed so much. And Calgary was in a sense, very small town in the, in the restaurant world and, and with the culinary community that, that was 
uh, existing, but uh, not not as established as it is today. And we knew that we couldn't help build that community on our own. We needed to do it collectively with uh, with every single chef and restaurateur in the city. And that's one of the reasons why we wanted to meet everyone before we opened our restaurant when we had that chef's potluck is to to try and like drive that culinary destination in in the community and in throughout Canada and really kind of put that focus on on Calgary with with all of the chefs and restaurateurs collectively. For sure. Is I it guess. a is, is question is it a collaborative culture like that when are is everyone excited for everyone else or is there a scarcity mindset and let's take maybe the last year off the table and everyone was kind of fighting for survival but I guess that's when you need community even more. Just so, curious like business to business how is it like those 70 chefs coming together that's a pretty cool culture that paints that I just I don't know cuz I don't live in that world. Well, I think fortunately we um, we're in this really young culture here in Calgary. I think you look at more established, um, older cities like uh, like uh, you know New York or Montreal. Mm-hmm. That, that here it's it's the Wild West, right? Mm-hmm. Like we can be a part of anything about helping create anything. And people will support it. And I think that's what makes our food scene unique is because it is collaborative. Because it started off being collaborative. As we were growing and starting to get recognized, like Connie said, it's not about char cut. It's about going to the farmer's market, going to Rouge and checking out the the beautiful garden, going and, you know, all our Friends, and it creates this overall experience. It's not a single restaurant. It's it's how do you create a culinary destination? You need to be talked about more than just one restaurant. So I think over that time where this was growing and evolving into what it is today, it it was very collaborative, and it's always been very collaborative. So when we have people from outside. In other bigger cities and they say wow you guys in calgary you, you guys do so much stuff together and it's because we do and we're known for it so i mean you couldn't have a better type of a culture during a pandemic because we were supporting each other it was right. not an easy time it was like we thought the sky was falling we thought this was it we put all our eggs in one basket and somebody just dropped it <laughs> and then and then and then kicked it while it was yeah, in case it, there was any that didn't break it, right away. jumped on it and then yeah pick a blowtorch how how is you know again how long can we put off talking about the pandemic in this in this episode how are we doing we're a year we're literally a year almost i think the 16th was our first day of work from home in our in our world from an office perspective um which we were very fortunate to be able to work from home you guys had a different world how is the community doing like how how is our how is our collective group well, my my memory just came up on my uh, Facebook, and we closed all of our restaurants today one year ago. Yeah. So it was kind of it was kind of sad um, because it was definitely one of the scariest, uh, most disruptive moments in our lives. And uh, I, I forwarded it off to Connie. I screenshotted it. And, you know, sent it to my wife and I was like, oh my God, like it was a year ago today. And it, it's been a crazy roller coaster year. But, you know, we're here. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it was a really terrifying day. Um, 
mostly because of, of how many people uh, closing our restaurants affected um, within our company. We, we employ over 200 staff and it, it was heartbreaking having to call every single one of them and tell them that... Uh, yeah, you had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Um, and then having to do that multiple times throughout the pandemic when we were allowed to reopen, but then were forced to shut down again. Um, it's, it's, has been a crazy emotional roller coaster. Um, it's, it's been really terrifying and, and hard to, to manage, but at the same time, it's forced us to, to put on our thinking caps and, get dive into the creativity even more to try and figure out how to survive. And like I said, we, we opened in a brand new concept during the pandemic. Uh, we've, uh, relaunched, um, old business ideas that, that may not have worked before, but now work really well because of the, the takeout platform that's been so strong. Um, and throughout all of that, we hit, we're really proud that we have been able to keep a lot of our employees employed um, and and also help to bring back uh, almost probably 75% of our staff. Yeah. Awesome. I was going to ask 200, 200 people to call and to say, Hey, your life is being affected to no fault of your own. And so, no, I don't have any more information as a leader. That's a, those are, there's no tougher phone call to make and, and no fault of nothing you did by the way. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we closed before they, they, they made it uh, um, the law. Like we were, we were the first restaurant that I know that closed because it okay, became. You, you guys made you guys made we, that call just yeah. We, it just got to the point where we had no idea what we were dealing with. We had we didn't we didn't have the answers how to keep people safe, and uh, we just said let's we have to do it until this until this gets figured out. We're we're shutting down. That's all there is to it. It's not worth it. We ended up. Um, keeping all of our senior managers uh, employed and working. So we all had a meeting after we went through this whole process. We figured out over the next couple weeks that, okay, we have a huge inventory. Um, let's, you know, we text all our, uh, our, all of our staff and we'll make care packages with all our food, you know, you know, what, let's, take the eggs, we get a dozen eggs in each bag, let's get some cheese, let's put some meat, let's do this. Oh, wow. I mean, so we did this until we had um, very little inventory left, and then um, uh, we just kept on. That's what kept our managers busy for the first few weeks. And then we're like, okay, how do we generate some type of revenue? Some some people in, in the state, some friends of ours are doing some curbside stuff. Can we come up with a curbside menu? So, and we're all based out of Charcut at this time. There was, Char Bar was empty, Chicks was empty, everything was empty. Okay. No guests internal were allowed in a restaurant. So we came up with this, you know, random uh, Char-inspired curbside menu. And then, so we were one yep. of the- I, uh, I, I, I did participate in that menu over the course of Thank the- Thank you. Pandemic. We appreciate that support. <laughs> you know, so we, we did that and we just continued. Like Connie said, it was come up with a good idea quick. And then move even quicker, and that's how this entire year has been played out. We we've had some really good ideas. Um, we came up with them really quick, and then the ones that we thought were the best ideas, we moved even quicker. So we launched 
our um, our butcher shop at Charcut, which makes sense. We have an online butcher shop. Uh, we just started expanding that, and it's grown in crazy popularity. Um, Connie and John Pizza was a concept that we have been working on, and uh, we just launched it early, and we had the kitchen space, and we needed to reactivate the Simmons building in Charbar before we had the ability to do an indoor restaurant, which is Charbar. We said, well, let's let's start with the, the pickup and takeout of Connie and John Pizza. So we got in ovens. We, we again, we invested and, uh, yeah, you didn't just pivot into what you had. You, you put, you doubled down on like to be able to do these things, down. which is kudos, kudos to you guys. Curious, just on that vein, out of all the hats you guys wear, which we're touching on some of them over the years, how has been the evolution of like, you guys are amazing chefs and, cre- and curators of experiences, but you've also had to become business people along this journey. And for people listening and like, oh, I'm really passionate about getting into that world. How's been that transition of becoming like, did you go out and go, I'm going to learn to be a quote unquote business person and a restaurateur? Or is that something that just came along the way with like, I want to create these experiences, so I better learn how to be good at business because I need one to create the other. I think it was uh, combined with our experiences, right? Connie, I mean, we're 50% chef, right? Together we make one whole Okay, I, I wasn't going to venture a percentage, but yeah, thank you. <laughs> We're 50. I mean, sometimes Connie's 70 and I'm 30 most of the time. I'm just saying, like, we, we balance each other out. And what she's good at, I am not good at. And what I'm good at, she's not good at. So we definitely have that worked out. Um, but it's, yeah, I mean, it's been... I You know, I always say that I could never imagine being in this industry and becoming a restaurateur because a restaurateur is very different than a chef um, without business partners. And before we, we like even wrote down our concept for what we wanted to open, we already had a plan laid out with the select roles in our company. And so uh, we're partnered with uh, John's wife, Carrie, um, who is probably one of the most brilliant people that we know. <laughs> she, that is an excellent person to have on your team and also be your wife. <laughs> yeah. She's a smart one. She, uh, she comes from a background in law, um, so that's also a really she good... She keeps us in line, too. <laughs> yeah. Yes, well, no, I, 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 I'm getting the picture. I'll have her on next and yeah. really find out what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah, but we, like John said, we really play to our strengths, and um, everybody—we're only human. Everybody has weaknesses, and and that's what makes having business partners so great is because they can step up in in your time of of weakness. And it's our team is very well rounded, so we're we're all very fortunate for that. Yeah, we, we rarely have conflicts, like Connie and I, rarely. Like, I, on on two hands in that many years, I can count our our disagreements. And normally it's me pouting and her <laughs> finding me. Especially now that we've got the age jokes behind us. Like, we're good. Like, it's green lights going forward. <laughs> yeah, it's... So, I mean, we've, we've learned um, to become co-chefs. We become uh, co-business people. We were given a really great background. Um, uh, we opened a lot of restaurants and hotels prior, working for Starwood and St. Regis. We opened a lot of third-party hotels throughout the world, U.S., um, Bora Bora. 
Um, so we got to really experience from concept to completion when it came to the, the business and the restaurant and the integration of restaurants and hotels. And that's why it was a perfect fit when we met um, the Germain family, who were amazing um, when it came to being um, our partners and partners in the, uh, the restaurant there at Charcut. So. Just all, no, all surround yourself with smart people and I, you know, nothing much in life happens without relationships. And that certainly sounds like it's a cornerstone to everything you guys have done from your just being partners as long as you have, like there's such a testament to that. I, I've been in my current relationship with my business partner. My wife says, don't call him your partner. People are going to business partner, which is fine other way. But it's amazing how many people are like, oh, how's the partnership? Almost expecting you to have a dramatic like, oh, it's terrible and we're fighting. No, we're not. We work it out. And, but it, it is definitely, it's, it's a bit of a rarity to see long-term partnerships where you've been able to kind of work through. And like you said, what he's good at, I'm not good at, and, and vice versa. And I'm hearing that loud and clear from you guys. And you guys sound like you wouldn't be where you were if it wasn't for the, the dichotomy of the, of the both of you. Uh, curious, this is a silly, maybe a silly question. Uh, environment, concept, like could Sharkut work somewhere else or was it part of your vision but also adapted very much for what is Calgary and what is our world here just curious on how much when you're building that restaurant concept was about you talked about you know seasonality and what was available could you take it somewhere else or would it have to be completely different does it does it work because it is Calgary we, we could take it somewhere else but it was very specific to Calgary um, I mean with tweaks pretty much any concept can can move right like uh, yep. Okay. It wasn't necessarily intended to, but we do have some concepts that are like Connie and John Pizza is perfect. Like it, it could definitely move to different areas. Chick's Egg Shop, another very easy one where it could move. Char cuts a little bit more complicated, and a lot more thought would need to be put into how that could happen, and it would have to be very specific place for it to be successful. So it could, but changes would need to be made and it would be need to be thought about a lot more than some of our other concepts which are very transferable that way yeah i had a guest on this morning on one of my other shows talking about culture and you know strategy is nice to have but you need to have a culture that's going to allow it to happen so i was just thinking in my mind you know you created a restaurant that fit very well into what the calgary culture and it just like the fact that it works so quickly and seemed to be like, oh yeah, isn't that always been here kind of mindset? Always to me feels like when somebody gets it right, where it feels like it's just always been there. It isn't this like, well, I've got to warm up to it. It is a natural fit, which I think there's a lot to be said for how you guys planned it. So uh, curious, on the journey of building businesses and all the adventures, was COVID, was that the low? Was that the, the dragon in terms of your careers? Or has there been other moments that were like, oh no, COVID, we're like, yeah, hey, there was this other time. But COVID feels like the big, <laughs> the big obstacle we've all been attacked by. They called it. The, the restaurant apocalypse on the New York Times. <laughs> they call it that, yeah. This is not, this is like beyond anything. There's nothing that has ever hit our industry hmm. like this. There's nothing. This this was this was like game changer and it still is. Like we're not even close to being out of the woods yet. I know we can't talk about it like it's over. You're yes, you're absolutely right. Like we're we're still like only family cohorts can come and dine. Like, you have to live in the same household. But the problem is a lot of people have been quarantined with each other. They want to get the hell out. They don't want to be going for dinner with their spouses and families, too. They want to see someone new. So it's hard. It's really challenging with all of the things that we have in place right now, the limitations. But we understand them. And we support whatever is, again, like, like we said, we closed early. 
because we could not figure it out. So we're, we're fine to take our time. We see the light at the end of the tunnel. We know the future is bright. We know that we're going to be busy again. We're excited and we, we're, we're anticipating that, but we're okay for it to take some time while things are, well, everyone feels good about it. Not only the guests coming in, but our staff, right? We want everyone to feel safe, everyone to feel positive, and for it to come back at a rate that, you know, isn't going to be overwhelming. Oh, I hear you. Curious on the on the on the business front, and I don't want to get too much into details. But I was out last week and chatting with a, a restaurant owner here in town. He said, "You know, he goes look around. These are all four tops with only two people sitting at them." And he goes, "You know, this is just allowing me to lose a bit less money." And he goes, "I'm on board and I get it, but at the same time, he's like, this is a real thing." So from a financial perspective, how long? And maybe just not even you guys, but overall the city. I appreciate it. this is putting restaurant owners with that's it's not a super high margin business to start with. No. I guess like. Is, is there any fear that we're going to start that that more businesses are especially in the restaurant space are going to start running out of runway and again it's nobody's fault we're it's taking the time it's taking well, I mean it's very it's, concerned it's, who's going to be there when we come back yeah there's going to be a lot of people not there that's yeah. a guarantee I mean subsidies have definitely supported a lot of um, a lot of the hospitality industry and um, but once subsidies start start getting pulled back they're going to be I mean, I know so many restaurants that are already closed and that are closing. Yeah. I, I, a large percentage, I would say, are not going to be there. So support local, go out, eat out. You don't have to go to our restaurants, eat out at any restaurant. You know, just support the local restaurant industry because it's a place where, uh, you know, you have celebrations. It's a place where, you know, you you share conversations with friends place that you have these experiences and there's going to be a lot fewer of them and now is the time to be able to to support them with i mean how however you can whether it be takeout whatever your comfort level is there's ways to be able to support our our restaurants right now we're financially we're okay i mean we're we're not making money but we're not losing enough to be uh overly concerned that we're not going to make it through this we will make it through this we're not standing still. We're, we're moving all the time. We're not going to sit back and let our business be taken from us. We're going to make sure that we push every single day. We come up with ideas. We come up with new revenues um, until our business is successful again. And, you know, we're keeping all our employees busy. And uh, we'll, we welcome the day where the business is back and, you know, things open up. And, um, you know, we can all have a big giant party. <laughs> I look forward to that backyard. You, you had me, I think goat petting zoo. You had, a, you threw in there as yeah. just an extra, like, yeah, Connie that's, that's a nice way to spend Connie a Sunday afternoon. The goats for, for real. She was making goat cheese. She was milking. now, now I'm like, how much do I believe John or not right now? I'm like, no, we were milking the goats. <laughs> all, hey, hey, for anyone who didn't see, there was a visual component to that. It's to on that. YouTube. It's on YouTube. Connie, <laughs> I've got, I will link it into this episode for sure. Now, Connie D'Souza, hot luck. And you will find Connie milking goats, making cheese out of goat cheese, for real. <laughs> Connie, when you're putting content out there, you got to roll with it sometimes, right? This is a content moment. This is an opportunity. We're going to get this captured. Yeah, I think there's like 170 views and it's been 11, 12 years. 
much. You know what? Well, we're, gonna see if we can, we're gonna see if we can push that up a little yeah, bit. I don't know. I see I see trending all, all over the place. <laughs> hey, a couple last questions for you guys in terms of like, all right, let's the pandemic, yes, okay. Trends, where do we see things going in, in the restaurant business? You guys are obviously very all in on, um, I'll be blunt, on meat, which I'm a huge supporter of. We've got this huge trend in our society where meat is starting to be, is being vilified, I think, you know, inappropriately so, but that's almost another conversation. How does that impact some of your movements and some of the trends that you're going to see around restaurants? And obviously culture versus food are pretty intertwined together. I would say almost one and the same. Yeah, for forever. <laughs> Many different crazy trends that we couldn't have ever imagined, like um, sphericating uh, olive oil into olives was a, a pretty weird one. <laughs> but um, one thing that uh, that I mean, really, we found that we had to do with our business is like you said, play to the culture and, and give the people what they want to eat. So in Calgary, fortunately, meat is never going away. Um, and we are huge supporters of um, all of our local farmers and um, ranchers. And so we've, like, we have played with some trends and, and played to them when, when thinking about restaurant concepts. Um, but Meat will always be at the forefront, but like John said, we are uh, very focused on a balanced lifestyle. We both have young children. Um, we both know that eating meat forever probably isn't uh, the best sustainable choice. <laughs> so not every meal. <laughs> there's there's so many schools of thought out there right now. As for every no, vegan strategy, no. there's now a carnivore strategy. It's it's crazy when you get out there yeah. into the world of food trends. Mm -hmm. But with anything um, like. We, we've kind of learned not to, to overindulge and, and to, um, it is important to keep balance and, and to, to maintain a healthy lifestyle. So, yeah, I and, mean. I mean, we have different concepts for different things too, right? I mean, right. Charcot is very meat-centric. Well, Chick's Egg Shop, you're, you're about to see what that's going to become because the 2.0, when we relaunch, is going to be something special. We can't tell you right now. But uh, keep an okay, eye out. Okay, perfect. I'll stay, stay tuned. Well, yeah. uh, I mean, Connie and John, pizza. It was right on the cusp, right? Right when pizza was becoming like that staple food in everyone's house over the last year. Um, yeah. So <laughs> we, we definitely have different... Um, Restaurants that focus on different things, and but Charcut is very meat centric, and like Connie said, it's all about supporting those ranchers and farmers. And uh, we were Connie's born and raised Calgarian. It's an important part of our our culture and heritage here, and uh, uh, that's Charcut. You know, some of the other concepts they have a little bit more, you know, room for playing into the trends. And you know, we love seeing trend stick and you know some fads we're glad are gone right <laughs> the molecular one over manipulating food you know yeah. things that are you too touched or played with you know simple food to yeah. us no matter what is is the best you know simple ingredients let the ingredients shine don't over manipulate you know that's that's the basis of pretty much all of our cuisine 
like what you said around 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 balance. Is Calgary? Are we getting more uh, experimental, or are we getting more curious about food? Are we willing to try different things than the the steak and potatoes? Yeah, I see you. That's my sense of it. Like when I moved here from Montreal twenty years ago, there was a bit of us like, oh no, like what have I done? Like this is this is not where I was used to. But over the last 10 years, it's drastically changed. Like I, I don't, and plus I don't, once you've not lived somewhere for a while, this becomes my new norm, but it seems like it's improved drastically it's in the last 10 years to your point. Yeah. 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 Amazing. And what's cool about Calgary is that everybody is so well traveled that we can't, yeah. as restaurateurs, nobody can fool the average diner anymore. Like yeah. they're, you can't trick them yeah. with, prices you can't trick them with um with uh different types of foods like and nor do we want to but everybody is very well educated in in uh the food culture around the world quality and and so we uh and we love that we love living in such a diverse city that that has so many different um options for for dining out um I mean, one of our favorite places to dine is in Forest Lawn. Like, that's where all the hidden the hidden gems are, in terms of. I completely uh, agree. There's an Indian. Sh- there's yeah. There's a couple of shops that I'm thinking of right mind that are literally in a strip mall in the corner, and they're awesome. Which in Montreal and Toronto, they're, those are kind of everywhere, and you kind of know where your best Thai shop is or Mexican or whatever the case may be. And Calgary wasn't always like that. Or if there were there, you didn't know because you weren't in that community, so you had no connection to it. Yeah. Oh, that's good to hear. No, I completely agree that that's, and as we become more experimental, it creates a lot more permissibility for you guys to bring new things in and try it. And knowing that there's an audience willing to like, yeah, that's new to me, but I trust this experience. So I'll give it, I'll give it a go. How do you guys, I got so many questions I'm going to ask you guys, but I want to be respectful of time. Uh, Reading your bios, you guys sound like you bring a really healthy balance to what is probably a completely hectic out of control lifestyle. Like fitness is a big thing that shows up in both your bios and cycling and growing up working in the restaurant world and working behind the bar and the kitchen world didn't seem like a healthy balance always. And we talked earlier, like those are certain cultures. You guys certainly seem like you've brought a balance to the table when it comes to your own lifestyles, which I can only imagine is incredibly challenging to do when you're working 24 <laughs> seven. I mean, it, it for sure is. Um, I mean, we've, I've, I've had my, uh, unhealthy moments for sure i mean i i my diet was really unhealthy when we first opened chart cut um i started gaining a lot of weight and i lost focus on on any balance um i found it again rediscovered it again connie was always very active and and i was always in awe like how do you not only do you how do you find a time but uh, like it, how, how every day she would either go to the gym, she'd go for a run every single day since I've known her. And I couldn't figure it out. I could not <laughs> figure out how to incorporate fitness into my, into my, uh, my lifestyle. I could not do it, but you know, where there was a will, there is a way. And I, I, uh, decided I was going to start riding again. I used to cycle, um, I started slow riding, you know, 10 kilometers and then it got more and more and more each week. Um, I started losing weight. Uh, in that first year I lost like over 70 pounds riding and Ooh, that's uh, a, okay. That's a, that's a real number. Yeah. So you, you were, you did, you did gain. Okay. You were a little yeah. bit overweight if you yeah. lost 70 pounds. Yeah, 70 pounds riding my bike. I don't have a driver's license. So that helped. 
never had. I did. I did read that somewhere. So I was going to, I was going to fact check that one. Yeah. So I, I just started riding every day and you know, I felt way better. I, 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 I feel like when I, when I finally discovered, um, health and incorporated into my life, thanks to people like Connie inspiring that, um, I became, I became a better business person, a better co-chef. I became a better dad, a a better husband it really gave me clarity and it allowed me to start focusing on my health and it made everything else in my life better because of it. So I, we, that's something that's very important to us in our culture and here at the restaurants is that everyone has that opportunity. Yeah. I mean, we, like you said, I off camera prior to the podcast, we, we're having a little discussion about what the restaurant industry used to look like and it was littered with drugs and alcohol and really unhealthy lifestyles and we with John finding this new lifestyle and and us kind of promoting it together within our company it kind of just stems from the top down and and all of our employees jumped on board um we we all of our management team is super active and are, uh, are there like people that work under them have kind of seen that they make time for, for running and cycling and just being active during the day. And, and why can't they? So we really promote it, uh, in, in our kitchens and in the restaurants for people to go home early and, and not, uh, go out on like a drinking binge after work. Uh, they, they actually want to leave home to go to bed so that they can wake up early and, and exercise in the morning before they go to work. It's it's a really interesting shift in the in the industry, and we've seen it not only in our restaurants but but throughout the entire industry. Yeah, I think it's I think it's happening everywhere. I mean, every we've been fortunate enough to be surrounded by really positive culture when it came to restaurants. Um, we've seen other. Places that that have had that underbelly style that you talk about, but I mean, I've also seen it in other businesses everywhere, all around. Yes, with this, and, it's not unfortunately poor behavior isn't reserved only for the restaurant yeah, business. Yeah, for to sure. Be super I mean, clear. We, we have there's some amazing restaurants that have been in existence for for many, many, many years, and have always had an amazing culture, and I've, I've never had that. Um, it's unfortunate that we our industry was really. Um, kind of has that reputation, but I don't think it's any longer. I think that that's right. That's good. That's good to hear. Nothing was nothing good comes of that. I look out out there more and more and more. And, and I mean, you see these young chefs with lives like, and they're doing things and they're active and they're able to, to have these different activities. And I think that was something that even though we didn't experience a lot of that underbelly, like the drugs and this and this and, in, in ours, we did we did experience the the not having balance. We right. where we yeah, okay. worked every single day, and we would feel guilty if we weren't working. You know, if we left early, or we that part of it is changing. That part of it is even. But it, like Connie said, it starts starts at the top. When I first started riding my bike back to work, I would even lie. I would tell people, like people say, hey, I, uh, can you meet here at 
eight o'clock and I knew I'd be on my bike riding at eight o'clock, I, I make up like, oh, I'm in a meeting because I was felt too guilty to tell <laughs> that's them awesome. that I was riding my bike to work. Like that's how messed up. Our, our, that is kind of that is kind of messed I mean, up. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I get it. I'm, culture it creates culture creates norms. So even and by accident, two years to be able to say I can't take that meeting. I'm riding my bike to work, right, and be okay with it. So it it does it did and actually be and be a source of inspiration. But yeah, yeah. you got to get you got to be okay with it yourself, right? Yeah, it took a long time. So that that part of the culture I see shifting all amongst our industry. It's definitely. Yeah, um, a very important part of of what we have in our teams, but I see it everywhere now. I think it's and it's it's only for the better, because I know I feel better. Connie feels great. Our our team feels better when they get to you know have some activity and have that balance. So we're going to be. Happy. Does that contribute? What, what's it? What's what's the talent pool like for you guys? Are you seeing a lot of people wanting like I I can't have a conversation with somebody in Calgary that isn't dealing with some type of a talent challenge. Uh, you know, a talented individual who now has to reskill or a technology job where people aren't available and we have these tech short, tech job shortages in the restaurant business. Or do you guys have people coming in that want to learn the craft? And like, is there a steady stream of people that yeah. you can mentor and bring up in the business? Yeah, we've had a, we have a lot of long-term people that have been with us since awesome. day one, like since for 11 years. Um, there, I think there's a pretty amazing talent pool out in Calgary. I think that's a great, uh, we have a lot of, strong culinary um, and front of house uh, uh, people out there. So I think we, we're pretty fortunate. I, I know some bigger cities like in San Francisco um, a few years ago, they were, they were like, they had to simplify menus because they did not have the staff. Like oh, it, it got to the point where they needed to change menus to be shorter, just, have less staff to, just because they didn't have the staffing. I, we've never really experienced that. We've seen like little ups and downs, but nothing like what some bigger cities have had. And one of the things that stems from creating a culinary destination in your own city is that it keeps the talent here. We're, we're finding that every everyone that's graduating from uh, SATE, our, our local school of hospitality, wants to stay in Calgary before mm-hmm. everybody would graduate and, and they'd be off to, to their other cities, Europe, the States, wherever, but, but more and more mm-hmm. students are graduating and wanting to stay home. That's great to hear because obviously there's lots of news that talks about the challenge, like our the people leaving the city. Well, and both you guys were good examples. Kind of got to a certain point and like to grow your careers, it probably almost felt like at that time you had to leave. You had to like leave the village, go get the information, then bring it back, and then create change, which is which is awesome that you guys came back and again went out and went abroad and found the knowledge and had the experiences and brought it back. So, any advice for anybody who's on that journey that's that wants to get into either be a restaurant or be a chef or wants to follow down a similar path? Because it sounds like the road has changed significantly in the last twenty years. It's hard to give advice now because, like, we're still we're just figuring stuff out again. <laughs> like we're re we're, we're relearning the entire everything, and we're not sure which direction it's necessary. We, we hope and we think we know where it's going, but who knows, man? Every it's like day by day right now. Mm-hmm. It's like day by day. So, so and, yeah, I, I think I have to say that one of the the damaging things that comes from having an industry that has has come from kind of like the grit and the dirt and been glamorized through TV 
is that it, it creates um, uh, an un, false expectation, really, of um, what really happens. And, and it kind of takes away from all the hard work and blood, sweat, and tears that we've put into building our, our restaurant group. And um, I just ha- I have to say that when students graduate from culinary school, don't have the expectation that you're going to work in the industry for a couple of years and, and own your own restaurant because it's there is years of blood, sweat, and tears that have gone into to both myself and John's career before opening our restaurants. And yeah. I, I think hard work and, and dedication to your craft and persistence is um, the foundation of, of how we've built our restaurants, um, but but don't have the expectation that you're going to snap your fingers and, and be a chef right away and be and have a, a huge restaurant and a successful restaurant just just because you're entering into to culinary school with a couple years experience. <laughs> well, I heard John say it loud and clear at the beginning, practice, you know, how do you build a fierce culinary competitor? Practice, practice, have a plan, practice. It's so easy to watch someone who's arrived and feel that, oh, that's just, that you made it, you made it look... Connie, you made it look easy, so therefore it must be easy. Oh no, let me. There's a lot of those feet are moving pretty oh, fast under the water. That's a whole another podcast. And I tell you stories about our <laughs> opening that we, you would like. I mean, we we were working 20 hours a day, and Connie, every every. I mean, we didn't even go home. We were in a, one of the rooms that wasn't uh, fully ready in the hotel. That was above. First, you go up there. We'd have a cat nap, have a shower. And mostly I'd come down, I'd find Connie sleeping on the banquette because I would open and then Connie would close. I would open and, you know, I'd get down at around 5 a.m. and Connie would close. So it was it was crazy. So we were even one one time, I remember we were doing dishes. We sent everyone home early because we had no idea how much money we had in the bank account. Our accounting was like out the window. Um, we... And this is in the first couple of weeks. We sent everyone home. We don't have it. We, we go. We can do it ourselves, right? We have all the dishes. We just did like two hundred and some covers. We have all the dishes piled up. So it's like you know, two o'clock in the morning. Connie was putting the dishwashers in. I, I the dishes in. I was taking them out, putting them away. And then Connie just lost her mind. She just went. She was like, fuck, 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 fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I- <laughs> She's waving her arms, screaming. And I'm like, whoa. Like, she woke me up. I'm like, whoa. I was, in the, I was in the zone. And she's like, I didn't sign up for this. And I was like, I didn't sign up for this either. And we were all like, and, and, and then we were like, calmed each other down. We like, supported each other. And we went and sat down at one of the booths. And we're like, what do we need to do, man? Like, what if, and you know, it was very simple we added a dishwasher to the schedule. But in, <laughs> at that point in time, our, our, our brains were like, it was nuts. It was like, so when Connie's so passionately talking about blood, sweat and tears, man, you guys have no idea. It, 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 it's, it's, it's not just a colorful thing. It is blood, sweat and tears. It is a lot of work when you really feel like your life depends on every single move you make. That's how it feels. And that weight on your shoulders is sometimes just unbearable. To be able to get through that, I mean, that's uh, that's then you're successful. And then COVID shows up. And then COVID, <laughs> and 
thing. And yeah. she, dang. The, the, the imaginary left hook out of nowhere that just catches you right in the jaw. <laughs> Shuts it all down. Yes. Well, well, clearly not. You guys are here and you've weathered, you're weathering. I want to say weathered. It's not done yet. Weathered the storm. And uh, so good to hear. And the perspective that I've got today so much was the community that we have around this restaurant industry in Calgary and that sense of community that you guys came in with and that agenda that you had and that we actually, it is like that because this, one of our superpowers in the city is our willingness to collaborate and support each other. So to hear that that's happening in your industry, which I just don't have as much perspective on is, is great to hear. And so Chick's Egg Shop, Connie and John's Pizza, Alley Burger, uh, Sharkut, obviously open char bars. Consider, is it currently closed and hopefully be oh, reopening and you're just using it for the other? Dinner, seven, seven nights a week. Okay, so everything is open, just got to, at the restricted yeah. for you guys. Okay. And, we all, and we all wait as the, journey, as the journey unfolds. Chick's is not open yet. Chick's will be open soon with a 2.0 concept. Okay. Yeah, like there's going to be some additions, additional secret stuff. Very delicious. Ex- excellent. Well, I'm, I'm, I, I love because in your world, the secret means delicious. Like exactly what you just said. We've been working hard on it. And you have gone, um, Firemasters, you are, are you guys filming, recording? Like when, when will that be out and kind of what's the timeline? What, what can, when can people can expect new and exciting things? Uh, so April 15th is the start of a brand new season. Um, it's already been pre-recorded. We we filmed it pre-COVID. Um, things were filming was put on hold um, for COVID, but uh, with the success of the show and um, and everybody that I know that have seen it really loves it. It's it's a really cool platform where um, three competitors uh, compete against each other until there's one competitor left standing but it's not over there, then they have to compete. That last competitor standing has to compete against one of the judges. And there's a panel of three judges on every episode. Um, and that's what I love about the competition is that I love, um, I love judging. I love the, uh, the mentorship that comes with it and, and the opportunity to, to offer advice to young culinarians. Um, but at the same time, that, that adrenaline rush of competing is is like a burning fire. I can see your eyes for everyone who can't see her eyes. She just lights up when you, I see fierce like coming to life right now. Yeah, love it. So it's a, it's a really fun dynamic and, and a really cool platform. So I hope that it continues. Um, but I think there's uh, close to 25 episodes that are coming up this season. So Oh, very cool. So lots for, for everyone, because I have a, a group of friends that are addicted to the culinary shows and they love it. It's, it's got your little subculture of, of a certain genre of television watching. Yeah. And it's all, it's all about cooking over uh, open flame and solid fuel and it's all, like a lot of meat, but uh, it, there's a lot of takeaway too, like the some of the ideas that these oh cool so from a learning perspective you're not just it's not just entertainment you're actually learning and can take away some tricks yeah like I I've learned so much from some of the competitors and the different techniques that they use to to cook different things over an open flame it's really cool very cool well I have certainly found more cooking in my life since COVID which a lot of people have so my interest level is peaking more than it used to be I uh yeah once you start down that rabbit hole as you know man it is endless of all the different theories and tricks and like you know I would I like your advice John of like keep it simple basic ingredients brought alive no that's awesome guys thank you so much John Connie I really appreciate the time it was great to get to know you guys I knew you by reputation and I've eaten at your establishments it was a pleasure to hear your backstories and really understand kind of the balanced and the passion that you guys bring and how you've bolted those together and congrats thank you for everything you do for the city I'll just stop on I'll just stop thank, on. thank you. you thank you for listening to me ramble <laughs> 
it was endlessly entertaining. And uh, no, it was really an absolute pleasure getting to know both you guys. So best of luck with all your new ventures. And I look forward to uh, seeing you at the restaurant one day soon. Thank you. You, Thank t- you. you take care. Have a great day. You too.